Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. I get inspired when I see another woman that's succeeding, but what inspires me more is their backstory and how they got there. So today's guest is about to share with us her backstory. We have Janiel McCoy. She's a creative director, fashion producer, an off-figure stylist, and an instructor for Toronto Fashion Academy. She's a learning differences advocate and shares her experiences living with dyslexia in the corporate world. She's worked for companies like Harry Rosen, Saks Fifth Avenue, Holt Renfew, and worked directly with pop stars and actresses to create their images on and off camera. So please welcome to the show, Janiel McCoy. (laughs) <laughs> amazing introduction thank you so much my goodness you make me feel like a superstar <laughs> but you are you are darling oh thank you thank you you're so welcome much. thank you for having me thank you for agreeing to come on and share all of your wonderful gems I mean from we first connected on social media it's like this girl is special and it oh. wasn't until like after that I you know learned about your challenges with dyslexia but how you're using all of that that we're about to get into um, yes. to just express all of your greatness. Oh, amazing. And we're both Aries, which is great. Yes. Yes. When is, <laughs> you, when is your birthday? I'm April 17th. Woo, girl, I am the 18th. Yes. I remember. <laughs> I totally remember. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So um, I like to start the show by asking, it's a simple question, but to me, it's a big deal because I feel like as women, especially entrepreneur women, we have all of these amazing titles but a title that is not given enough um, recognition is our name because our name holds weight. So I'm asking you, Janiel, do you know what your name means? Um, that I do not know. All I know is that my name is French. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was born, my mother did not know what to name me um, being her first daughter, her first child, if you will. And um her and my dad for like two days could not name me at all. And then this young woman who was a nurse came in, saw me in one of those little, little things there. (laughs) And it was just like, Oh, what is her name? She's so beautiful. My mom was like, I don't have a name for her yet. And Mm -hmm. the lady was just like, Oh, you know, my niece was just born in Paris a few days ago and her name is Janielle. Um, I'm going to give you that name. My mom Mm -hmm. took the spelling and everything, and that's it. So that French lady gave me the name. So I have no idea what it means, but I just know it's different, which is awesome. It is. It is. I had um, checked a couple of uh, Google sites, and I believe I, I did see one of them that said it was French, um, mm-hmm. And there was also another that said it was um, Hebrew. And the Hebrew meaning Whoa. is uh, Yahweh is merciful. Yahweh is gracious. Okay. Hmm. Wow. Did not know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. So the reason yeah. I asked that is because, I mean, growing up, I was told that my name meant beautiful one. So, you know, it, it kind of went to my head a little and people used to be like, Oh, what is, you know, what does McKinney mean? And I'm like, beautiful. 
course. But, yes, uh, of course. <laughs> as I grew older and I started to do some research, and it's actually Swahili for strength of character. And I started huh. to look into the meaning of other people's names and how it actually connected to who they are today. That's interesting. So wow. I, I've, I've been asking, yeah, I've been asking all the women who come on the show what their name means. And, and many of the women um, who knew what the meaning meant when they you know said it out loud they're like actually that really does describe me so I, I thought that was does. that was interesting yes very much so so I would like to um jump right in and well, to ask you um my next question which I mean I'm not the biggest fan of uh labels especially ones that can be perceived negatively because it boxes us in and I'm that type of person where I'm claustrophobic, so I don't like to be boxed into anything. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I guess I want to start with when were you diagnosed with dys- dyslexia? I was diagnosed late, as many creative dyslexics um, have been. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Whoopi Goldberg, Steven Spielberg. I believe Steven Spielberg was diagnosed in his, I think, late 30s or 40s. So, and then technology back then wasn't pre- was pretty much obsolete. For me, I was diagnosed in like tw- 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed at, um, <clears throat> at age 23. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. The thing about it is, is that my mom always knew that I learned differently, but in the education system, um, they labeled me as just lazy and that I wasn't applying myself. Mm-hmm. And back then, most um, students, if you didn't necessarily have a physical disability or your disability wasn't, say, um, really pronounced, mm-hmm. they just figured that you were lazy. And with me, when I was diagnosed at 23, I'm pretty much borderline dyslexic. So there's so many different variations and spectrums of dyslexia. I'm pretty mm-hmm. much in the middle where I could read and I can write. But sometimes whenever I read, my words do get jumbled, like mm-hmm. um, average dyslexic does. So, um, yeah, 23 is when I was diagnosed. And, yeah, it was a, extremely challenging because I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. And when I was diagnosed, I thought my learning strategist was lying. I thought she was just like, oh, yeah, she's just going to put me in this category called dyslexia. And at the end of the day, that's probably not what I have. Right. So I'm probably just fine. But in actuality... Um, it was the truth <laughs> that I was dyslexic and I just had to um, really navigate about, um, navigate um, in college and try to figure out what learning styles worked for me. So you've been able to turn that around. So, you know, share with us how you've been able to use it as a positive. Well, when it comes on to dyslexia, um, I've always said I see it as a positive instead of a negative because I find anybody that learns differently or anybody that is quote unquote different, we mm-hmm. see the world in a completely different way. Um, my creative brain is always on um, when it comes on to colors and even very audio as well. So my sound is very, very, very heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, when it comes on to colors, Colors stimulate my mind. It is a something that I always say. Um, whenever I look at colors, I see it. It's, it's just so bright. 
mm-hmm. and it just makes me happy. It's just it's just one of those things that I truly, truly, truly love. And um, another thing too is just like you, I do not like labels mm-hmm. because I find that it does put you in the box. And when I find I find when people use the word learning disability, and this is again, this is um, the word disability is very subjective. Mm-hmm. Some people are totally fine using that word. Others, like myself, I do not like it because society already sees disability as something that you cannot do. Right. And I don't, I don't believe that. I believe everybody learns differently and everybody is different. There isn't a quote-unquote normal way to do something. So I call it a learning difference than a disability. I kind of just X out the whole disability thing because like right. I said, I do things in a completely different way. Um, I just feel that whoever I'm working with or whoever I'm speaking to and so forth, they need to understand that and just society just needs to understand that everybody learns differently and there's not a quote unquote way, proper way to learn. I I totally agree with you on that. Um, So one of my daughters was diagnosed with ADHD. um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say a few years back. And, you know, of course, the school will at first label them as a troubled child and they're not paying attention Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, this, that and the other. But as her mother, you know, I don't believe that she needs any form of medication. I just believe that everybody learns differently. I feel like, you know, she may be having trouble sitting still in a classroom because that's not her way of learning. She is beyond creative. She, Mm -hmm. you know, when she's able to do something, she does an excellent job at it. She hyper focuses on the things that she loves and enjoys. She learns yeah. differently, and mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with that. I think that more parents and especially teachers need to understand we are not all the same. We don't exactly. all learn the same way. So labeling mm-hmm. kids with, you know, um, learning disabilities is completely unfair to them. And mm-hmm. good on you for not accepting that label. Yeah, no, I couldn't. And my mother couldn't, and neither is my father. Like, I have a younger sister, and I mean, we're not much younger apart. We're about two and a half um, years. Um, part and she's amazing in academics and so forth like just always straight A's went to university went to teacher's college and so forth and when it comes on to the creative side it's a little challenging for her Mm -hmm. like in terms of doing hair and makeup she's great at but the creative aspect of things like Mm -hmm. I have a um, a new I could say about three-month-old niece and my um, sister's friend gave her this almost like the sticker, kind of mm-hmm. basically in visuals, we call it a vinyl. So when you go into like a store and you see a store window, you see like almost like the sticker on right. the window that would say maybe 50% off and so forth. Those are basically called vinyls. So my sister actually got a vinyl to put on um, above my, sis- my, um, my niece's crib. So my sister was looking at me and she's just like, oh, I got this sticker thing to put up and I and I don't know what to do and I'm like <laughs> and there were so many words to it and there's a technique on how to um, put it on fast mm-hmm. instead of taking each letter and sticking it on and she was going to do that and it was going to take her days <laughs> to do like absolute days and I looked at her I'm like you know there's an easier way she was like but how do you do that I'm like just let me handle it. She's like, this is why I can't do it. It's too creative. I'm like, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like for her, she's very theoretical. For me, I'm just super, super, super creative. Yeah. You just have different ways. 
Exactly. And to what you were saying about your daughter in terms of um, whatever she likes to do or whatever mm-hmm. she loves, she'll be amazing at it. That was mm-hmm. like, that's pretty much like me. I started driving when I was 12, 13 years old because I've always loved to drive. But mm-hmm. when it came on to other things, <laughs> not so much. It took a while. So, yeah, I got it for sure. I was at uh, an event a couple years ago and Julie Black was speaking and a part of her uh, talk, she said that your disability is your ability. And yes. when she said that, it, it made me sit back and think and it made me look at everything that's going on or was going on at the time in my life, and I pretty much say still is, where, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that people will label you for as a disability, that you can use that to your advantage. So, you know, I don't know, um, something, uh, I'm I'm introverted. So many Mm -hmm. people will look at that as a disadvantage, but Mm -hmm. I'm able to turn that around and in my alone time, you know, be creative and create content and do this and, and do that. So for you, um, I know that you've, you know, you're, you're making a name for yourself in the fashion industry. So how have you been able to turn this disability into your ability? Whew. Well, for me, I've always said that fashion was always my outlet. From the time I was young, mm-hmm. I've always loved fashion. But I didn't know what a stylist was. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the fashion industry, when I was in elementary school and high school, I thought the only thing you could do in fashion is really pretty much be a designer. But again, when it comes on to the whole theory aspect and pattern making and so forth, designing is very, very, very technical. And a lot mm-hmm. of people do not understand that. And I, I like putting clothes together. I like putting things together. That's why I'm a, fa- like, say I'm a fashion producer, but I'm also a visual merchandiser. Mm-hmm. And when I came out of high school and really pushed my fashion brand and so forth, I'm like, all right, this is, this is really me. This is really what I want to do and so forth. And when after I was diagnosed, was living in New York, came back to Dinsley, came back to Toronto. And then in 2015, I was like, you know what, I'm doing so much in the fashion industry, but I still felt this void. And I couldn't figure out what it was exactly. Mm -hmm. Many people would ask me, oh, how I got into the fashion industry and this and the third. And I'm just and I would give them a straight up answer. I was like, well, you know what, hard work, determination, all that jazz. But there are certain things that I was very, I, I kind of kept to myself, and it was being dyslexic. I didn't really open up to people until about 2014, 2015. And mm-hmm. I remember coming out, and again, this is where social media comes into play, because that time, I was just, um, I, was, I was on Instagram, but not heavy on it. Mm-hmm. And um, before pretty much going out there and letting everybody know that I was dyslexic, I started really just having these one-on-one talks with myself and also with God. I felt that I was in this crossroads where I was like, do I really want to stay in fashion or do I want to try something else? And God kept telling me to say, you know what, people want to know your story. Like you have such Mm -hmm. an inspiring story, you want to share it. 
And I remember I contacted a few agencies asking them if I could be a speaker just to be out there and really share my story. And um, I found the Learning Disability Association of Ontario. Mm-hmm. They actually have a um, <clears throat> an office right in North York and contacted someone um, by the name of Jarrett and um, emailed him, letting him know my story. Um, he was like, you know what, it would be amazing for you to come in and talk to a few girls and when I did that McKinney, it completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I really wanted to share my story to the public. And um, I remember I got to Jared's email, um, basically screenshot it in terms of him responding back to me in terms of the work that I did and how amazing it was and whatever, and wrote this long story about me being dyslexic, coming out and so forth. And the amount of people that contacted me Mm. about me being dyslexic was insane Mm -hmm. like it was literally like (laughs) it was mind-blowing I'm just like so you mean to tell me that I'm not the only one that's dyslexic here it's literally like you 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 and you I have goosebumps as you're telling your story like (laughs) it's insane it's insane like so many people dm'd me some some certain people even just even just commented and said, you know what, I'm coming out right now and saying I'm dyslexic too. I'm like, whoa, really? Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> it was just, it was so, so crazy. So I was like, all right, how do I turn this into something where it's like, I want to really push my story, but also put the whole fact of me um, being in fashion in it. And the one thing where... First of all, I always say that fashion pretty much saved my life because when I, before my diagnosis, I always, like I said, I always knew that I learned differently. At the same time too, I was pretty much an introvert as well. I did Mm -hmm. not like to talk to people. I was very shy. And when somebody would talk to me, I would have a hard time putting together my words because with most dyslexics, when we speak to people, sometimes our eyes shift around and people probably think that we're not listening Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day we're actually trying to come up with something to say easily it's like all these words trying to like come together in our heads and then we're trying to formulate it out instead of pausing every so often or like "Mm, I'm not sure or we just want to bring it out as soon Mm -hmm. as somebody is ready for us to actually say something so for me, clothing was my outlet. It was a conversation starter. Instead of me going out to somebody and talking, I'd mm-hmm. go out to certain places and have my clothes speak for itself. And that's how I was able to communicate with people. And that's how I was able to get certain gigs and so forth. So my whole thing of putting um, <clears throat> my me being dyslexic and fashion was to pretty much teach people and how to dress for success and how to mm-hmm. make clothing really speak to who you are. Because at the end of the day, appearance is everything. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where... Because people it, do it, judge it, you by your cover. Oh, yes. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's, it's true. It's true. It's unfortunate, but it, mm-hmm. it's true. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, people like when somebody sees you, they automatically judge you off of how you look. Mm-hmm. So my whole mission is to 
um, connect with introverts or anybody of that nature who's possibly afraid to speak or maybe have a learning difference or a physical difference, if you will, and really show how clothing could really help them and really bring out their inner beauty. I yeah. love that. And it totally, totally resonates with me because I'm okay. So I've, I've evolved from a massive introvert to um, <laughs> just being introverted. Um, but I've always <laughs> used uh, fashion and clothing, like you said, as a yeah. conversation starter. So, yes. I mean, when, when my mom came to Canada, she was in fashion design, fashion was her thing. And mm-hmm. I used to like, you know, stitch little Barbie outfits with the leftover material and all that good stuff. But mm-hmm. that's where, you know, my interest in fashion came from. But because mm-hmm. I was so introverted and when I got into entrepreneurship and I had to be networking and talking to people and I know I can own my strengths and my weaknesses. I suck at small talk. So mm-hmm. um, I would just make sure that my outfit is always on point. I most of the time have like one statement piece on. It's usually like a something with a lot of pattern, whether it be like just my pants or my blazer, something yeah. so that that's yeah. the conversation started. Because I, when people start talking to me at networking events, like you said, now I'm starting to wonder, do I need to get checked if I'm dyslexic? Because I will literally, they're talking to me and I'm looking away. I'm Sometimes I'm okay with eye contact if I know you. Yeah. But then other times I'm, I'm my eyes are elsewhere and I'm thinking in my head, okay, how do I formulate a proper sentence that sounds like I yes. can articulate myself? It's just <laughs> too much. So if we're talking about fashion or the outfit or where did you get that blazer? Oh, I love those pants. But that's a nice necklace. Yes. That makes it so much easier for me. So easy. Yep, yeah. It's the best way to do it. And kudos to you on your outfits, girl, because, yeah, I see you on Instagram. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks. you're doing it. So Thank you. Thank very you. good on you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. So, you know, you talked about, you know, you had moved to New York. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you went and took on the fashion capital of the world. So what was that experience mm-hmm. like? Ooh, oh boy. So now we're going to get really deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, New York was one of the most eye-opening, amazing, terrifying, and um, educational times of my life. Um, I learned a lot and seen a lot within of just maybe three weeks of being there. Oh, wow. Um, I met an amazing woman. Um, she's still actually a mentor today. Um, her name was Texana Watts. She was um, the fashion director at BET, because that's mm-hmm. where I actually was interning. So I was um, interning at 106 and Park. And um, I remember the first day I walked in there, she's, she was like, no long talking. Like, hi, how are you? Where are you from? Da, 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 da. All right, so I need you to go here, 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 here get this, get this, get this. Luckily, I was with somebody (laughs) who knew everything. And I was literally like the stylist assistant. But it it was it was it was rough. It was rough. Because in Toronto, like people are a little bit more polite, and Mm -hmm. so forth and have a little bit more time. Mm -hmm. Because Texana was in such a high position, she had no time. And you really needed to understand what was going on quick or else you would be swimming with the sharks. So I learned that very quickly. At the same time, too, she literally took me under her wing. Um, She knew that, A, at BTI, I wasn't getting paid. So I needed to make money. 
So what I would do is I would connect with the different um, different artists who are like up and coming and so forth. I would go to different events. She'd tell me about certain events and so forth. And um, I'd meet people there and be like, you know what? Um, if you have an artist, I'd sell them for like $200 or whatever. At the same time too, I needed clothing. And what Texana did was allowed me to use the clothes at BT for my clients, which was mm. awesome. awesome. And when I say that they had like the best of the best in there, <laughs> I was just, yeah, it was just like perfect. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I don't have to go out there, spend my own money. I can literally just go in there and use it for my clients. So that was an amazing experience. At the same time, too, I struggled with being dyslexic in the real world because mm-hmm. keep in mind, I was literally diagnosed a year before going to New York. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So while I'm in school, it's easy because I'm like, I'm getting the tools to help me in school and so forth. But what happens when I go out into the real world? And I wasn't prepared for that. Mm-hmm. So there was a actual situation where, and I don't really talk about this, but because I'm an open book, I will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I will share you. it on your platform. <laughs> that was platform. Um, so um, I met this artist. Um, I will not say the name, mm-hmm. um, but this artist is huge right now. Like really, really, really big. Mm-hmm. And this artist was just, um, starting and um, I met his manager um, through a friend of mine and the manager really liked my style and asked me um, to style his artist um, for a, a segment on BET called The Deal. So I'm like, yeah, 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 no problem. He's like, yeah, this guy, he's about to go on tour and all this jazz. So if all goes well, everything will be good. Mm-hmm. So I got the clothes for the show and everything went well. And he's like, all right, cool. Um, the artist really likes you. Um, see if you can get some clothing for him for his tour. He's going basically going on tour for a month. Mm-hmm. So I started getting certain contacts together, certain brands and so forth. And basically with my anxiety and just being anxious and just being so excited for this opportunity, I wrote this email and um, I sent it out to um, about 10 to 12 brands. Mm -hmm. So then after about a few weeks, about two to three weeks, I'm like, okay, nobody's hitting me back yet, nothing. Then I realized that maybe about four weeks later, I'm seeing that the artist is on tour. So I'm like, okay, maybe they went for another stylist. That's fine. I mean, I was a little hurt mm-hmm. and so forth. So I just messaged the manager to be like, okay, what's going on? Like, I see that he's on tour. And <laughs> the joke is, is that me and that manager are very cool to this day, which mm-hmm. is awesome because he understood what was going on. And um, he's just like, Jay, can I ask you something? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? And he's just like, um, those emails that you sent, did you proofread them? I'm like, yeah, of course. And he's just like, uh, I don't think you did. Because the amount of grammar errors in this email, and yeah, it, it was, mm. he was like, it was 
so unprofessional. He's just like, wow. yeah, yeah. He's like, Janelle, what's going on? <laughs> like, flat <laughs> out, he was just like, what's going on? And I literally just stayed on the phone and, like, I just felt tears coming down my eyes because I'm like, mm-hmm. holy Yes. I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap. She found out something. Do I mm-hmm. let this guy know what happened? And I told him, like, you know what? Honestly, I'm actually dyslexic. And he was just like, why didn't you say something? <laughs> and I'm like, because I was so afraid to say something. He was just like, Janelle, right. you have to be upfront with yourself. You have to be upfront with people and mm-hmm. let them know that you're dyslexic. He was just like, I could have helped you with this email. Like, I could have proofread it and all would have been well. He was like, but you just decided to sweep it under the rug and just send it off to people. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah. He was like, unfortunately, we had to find another stylist. And um, yeah, because a lot of brands, they, they were so confused. When they were reading it, they didn't understand what was going on. And McKinney, that crushed me. Mm-hmm. I basically was um, depressed for a few days. Well, I should say a few weeks. Wow. And keep in mind, a few days after that, I ended up homeless. oh wow yeah I ended up homeless Um, I was sleeping in a studio um, for like two weeks and then this uh, my friend's friend let me sleep in his um, his kids room and his Mm -hmm. kids would sleep with him and his wife for a few days and then my cousin came back from I think she was in St. Louis for a bit and then came back and then I was staying with her she was also dealing with depression and within maybe about two months of me being there we kind of just looked at each other and we were just like yeah I need to come back to Toronto mm-hmm. this time and when I came back I literally was just like all right this is it what's my next game plan and that's kind of how I got into the film and television industry in Toronto and really pushed myself and from that day on um, I was pretty much outspoken with me being dyslexic and just letting people know anywhere I went because I could not let that experience ever happen again. And um, a few years later, I actually saw this, um, this artist on tour. He came to Toronto. We're cool. Everything's good. He's doing absolutely amazing, having, like, albums upon albums upon <laughs> albums. And, yeah, and um, me and the manager still talk, which is awesome. But that experience really changed my life. And New York really made me a lot stronger and just, showed me that yeah you just got to be really upfront and don't let a certain situation like that really dictate your future yeah I, I think you know you sharing that part of your journey just speaks to how important it is one to own your story um, mm-hmm. and that's a, a major uh, thing that I do with the clients that I work with is teaching them how to own their story because not only are you holding yourself back but you know the the implications that that it has on other people and then once you own your story the power that your story has to help other people own theirs so when you came out about being dyslexic on social media and all the messages that you got from other people that you had no idea also you know struggling with dyslexia and how empowered it made them feel like yes i think i think people underestimate the the power and just owning your truth and owning your story. Uh, I know when, when I first started sharing stuff on social media, 
I was new to the internet. I was coming from being a sheltered stay-at-home mom, so I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't really care. <laughs> and I was being a little too open on social media. And people were like, uh, I don't think you need to put all your business out there like that. But <laughs> that was just me owning who I was. I didn't have a problem yes, with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I've had so many women since, you know, now that I've I've learned to kind of um, uh, I'm not going to say I, I don't put all of my business out there, but I share enough of my story to inspire. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people that reach out to you, letting you know what that means to them, that they can connect with you, they can resonate with you. Um, I can only imagine, you know, the type of tearjerker messages you probably get because just, you know, when I share stuff like, you know, my journey of being a single mom or, you know, when I was dealing with a breakup or now being in a relationship or even when I used to talk about my issues with fibromyalgia, like the messages that you get from people that are so emotional Mm -hmm. on, you know, they're struggling with the same thing, but they're afraid to say anything. They're afraid of shame and ridicule and all these things. And it's just so powerful to own your truth, to own your story. And everything that you said just totally, you know, it sums that all up, basically. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, and it's not even with me speaking about dyslexia. Like, I've been very open just in regards to my day because people see me on social media or they'll see me on, on like, anywhere, Mm -hmm. like, in person and feel like I have it all together. And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I just want to show people, it's like, I really don't know what I'm doing most of the time. Most of us don't. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm just trying to figure this out. Like, life is literally throwing me curveballs every minute. I'm just trying to figure it out. And like, sometimes I'll go on maybe on Insta story and be like, you know what? My car broke down today and Mm -hmm. I have to go to a photo shoot or I have to go to a meeting. So what? So you know what I have to do? I have to take bus Mm -hmm. in Markham, take the Viva Transit and then take the TTC and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I don't know how I'm going to fix my car because I don't got the money, but I got to figure it out. That's right. And you will. Exactly. And And I will. And I remember a friend of mine messaged me on Instagram and she was just like, I really needed to hear that story right now. And I'm like, about my car? (laughs) (laughs) And she's just like, yeah. She was just like, trust me, I'm having the worst week ever. And I'm just like, honestly, you are not alone. Trust when I say that, you are not alone. Don't make social media fool you. Exactly. And well, and speaking of social, it's total social proofing when, yes. you know, you can resonate with someone's story, good and bad. You know, sometimes you think you're having a bad day and then you hear what someone else is going through and you're like, oh, man, my day is not that bad after all. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm and I don't I don't wish bad on anybody. So, you know, part of, you know, coaching other women, especially, you know, women who are dealing with massive issues, women who are struggling with owning who they are, even stepping out of the comfort zone for the smallest thing. And Mm -hmm. it, it puts things into perspective for me. It's like, girl, what are you complaining about right now? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you, you know, you're, you're not doing bad at all. So just keep being transparent with these women, let them know. And then, you know, they feel better and then they can pick themselves up and Mm -hmm. keep it moving. Exactly. No, I feel you. And at the end of the day, like, it's not really for us to judge who's um, who's having the worse day than mm-hmm. somebody else. Because everybody, like I said, everybody's different. Everybody handles situations a lot differently. Like what I may think is a little, not a big thing. You may think it is a big thing. 
So I just like look at it as people are going through their ish. Yep. And if I can inspire somebody and let them know like, yeah, you're going through a bad day, so am I. Like, let's figure out how we can make this into a positive now. Like, you yes. can't really stay in the funk too long. Yes. So speaking of that, what advice would you give to a woman that feels that she can't pursue her dreams because of something that's considered a disability? Cheers. <sighs> This is something I always tell myself. Um, always push through. Forget what society thinks. Forget what, for me, it was forgetting what the educational system thinks. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in high school and my guidance counselor in grade 11 told me that there is no hope for me oh. and that I would never get into college and that I will never get into university, and that after I graduate high school, I should just go out and go work. And if I even decide to go to college, the only course I can take is a course called General Arts and Science, and that is where I would, quote unquote, find myself. So imagine being 17 years old, pretty much all of your friends going going to college, university, and you pretty much been told that. Keep in mind, I pretty much failed college about five to six times <laughs> before wow. my diagnosis. And then once I was diagnosed, everything was just a lot easier. Um, shout out to George Brown College because they were the ones <laughs> died, so I, I shout them out all the time because they were the school to actually diagnose me and okay. so forth. But I didn't let that really stop me at all. Um, try to use that negative and turn it into a positive. Mm. I'm a strong believer of that. Like, try to try to figure it out. Like, for me, I was the longest while, and not even just today. I've been trying to figure out who am I because mm-hmm. I do so many different things. I'm an opposite figure stylist. I'm a visual merchandiser. Um, I do um, styling, wardrobe styling, I do speaking, mm-hmm. I'm dibbing and dabbling into modeling here and there, not full-time model by no means, but, <laughs> but I do, my selfie game is mad strong, but, but other than that, other than that, um, yeah, I get into modeling here and there and so forth, but I always try to figure out who am I, and a friend of mine named Adila Carter, she turns to me and she's just like, you are a fashion producer. And another friend of mine named Nikki, she told me that I inspire, I empower, and I also motivate. And I do Mm -hmm. that with everything that I do. Mm -hmm. So with all those things being said, um, I use me being dyslexic definitely as a positive instead of a negative. I talk about it. I don't kill it to the point where it's like every post is based on dyslexia, Mm -hmm. but you will know when you come on my page that I am actually dyslexic and I make that barely known and I'm just really open about it. And the last thing I will say is to truly put God first because mm. without him, none of this would be possible. And he has been my driving force with everything that I do. So that is my true I- advice. I think um, your your first point about society's standards, um, I think any, not just women, but anyone 
should not look to what society standards of normal is because what what is mm-hmm. normal really right exactly. you know there 90 i don't know it's 96 or 97 what the members of society they're all doing the same thing you know this exactly. cookie cutter lifestyle going to their 9 to 5 and going home and trying to fit into this box and mm-hmm. anything that doesn't fit into that box they label you as something else yeah and I think we should all actually strive to be in that smaller percentage of people who are doing differently. And that's where you'll find the people who are actually really enjoying life, (laughs) the people who are successful, the people who are creative, the people who are making a difference in this world because they, they're not trying to fit into this, this box. And to your second point about, you know, putting God first, it's, it's because you are who God says you are, not what society says you are. So I think those exactly. are two very strong points that you made. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, a mentor. Did you have any other coaches or mentors that helped guide you along the way? Oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I have um, the fashion director at BET. Uh, she is no longer there, but she actually is a creative director for Starter Official at New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, again, her name is Texana Watts. She lives in New York. I also have a mentor here who got me into the um, tele- film and television industry as a stylist. Her name is Michelle Light. So um, I love Michelle. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, Michelle is a beast yes. and has been a stylist for many, many, many years. Stylist, yes. costume designer. She's worked on so many different um, television shows and movies. And um, she taught me so much in regards to um, while being in that industry, um, how to conduct myself, especially being a black woman. Mm-hmm. in that industry where it's very um it, there's in toronto it's not very diverse mm-hmm. per se um in the fashion industry and um especially in film and television it's, it's a small pool mm-hmm. of black women that are in those high positions in the film and television world so um she's always um represented herself with poise and watching her while being in that industry really um, helped me and guided me along the way. And um, even when I don't do it full time, because I was doing it full time before, and I got then I got into um, visual merchandising and so forth. She still was a driving force. Those mm-hmm. two women, Texana and Michelle, have really, really, truly helped me. And then I um, I also have a male mentor. His name is um, Glenn Jackson. He actually is um, <clears throat> a black man who owns a few fashion showrooms in mm-hmm. Toronto. And um, when I was in college, we always had to figure out where we were going to intern for like co-op placement and so forth. And um, one of the places I interned was actually his showroom called Triangle Impact at the time. And um, I've always loved how he dressed, his style, and just how he conducted business. So I got to see the business aspect of the industry and so forth. So those three, th- those three people have really helped me along the way. And I, f- I think that having a mentor, it, it's very beneficial mm-hmm. in any career you do. Like yes. finding somebody that you can feed off of or even just pick their brain about and so forth. And um, even just 
being on the job with them. Yep, shadowing them. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. super, super, super important. And yes, it's it's helped me out in many ways. And because of them, I've been able to mentor people myself. Like one of those young ladies I actually mentor, she's 20, I believe 22. And Mm -hmm. um, I've been mentoring her for about five years. Her name is Jasmine. And yeah, I found out she was dyslexic too. Oh wow! Look at that! Yeah, look at that! Yeah, I found that she's dyslexic, and um, when she was going into college, she just when she was about to go into college, she was just like, "I don't want to do this college thing anymore. I'm so tired of it. I want to be the stylist like you. I want to go and work for Essence magazine and so forth." And I'm like, "You can do all of that, but I need you to finish this first. Mm-hmm. Like, you're ready in college, finish it." Mm-hmm. And what? <laughs> Oh boy, it's gonna make me tear up. <laughs> when um, I think it was like last year, so she's part of like George, one of George Brown's student councils, which is just awesome. Wow. And she's like a director there. She was handling um, their year-end fashion show. She brought me on as a speaker in 2016. Like she's making me so proud. I, so, I can see why that would make you like want to tear up when you when you look yeah. at the, the the people that you directly have a connection to mentoring and you watch the growth like it just does something to your spirit where it gets so excited and it, yes. it makes you yeah it makes you tear up I'm like getting emotional and I'm, I don't even know her <laughs> <laughs> no it's so beautiful it's just so nice I'm like oh my god like this is exactly like this was me. This was me it. how many years ago. So yeah, I have, getting somebody to mentor and having mentors, it's very important for sure. So, okay. So question for you, do you have any yeah. um, self-care routines? Because I mean, you're mentoring, you're working and you know, you're, you're dealing with so many different things. Do you have a self-care routine? <laughs> you know, what's crazy. Um, I just, I just started getting back into exercising. Um, Mm -hmm. I realized that's such an important part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a friend, um, her name is Essie, and she's been training me um, for the past maybe three months. So like every Sunday at around 7.30 or 8 o'clock, she comes to my house and we go in the living room and she helps strengthening my back because I've been having really bad back problems mm-hmm. yeah getting old not fun and, um, <laughs> I've been dealing with back problems and so forth so what we've been doing is strengthening my back and also putting on a little bit of weight and so forth so um, exercising I find has helped me out tremendously mm-hmm. also I take a lot of time to myself because nine times out of ten I am on the road whether it's doing merchandising, styling, speaking, all that jazz. And I deal Mm -hmm. with all different types of energy, good and bad. Mm -hmm. So for me, I like to have alone time, whether it's at my house, whether it's at a coffee shop, um, a little time in the car, just to sit and reflect and just chill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's super, super, super important. I'm also trying to just put my phone down Mm, or like, even if it's just, yeah, even if it's just for like an hour, I'm going to start off with like 45 minutes to an hour. I'm really Mm going to try that because I find with phones, it gives you this anxiety. It's just, Mm -hmm. 
I remember last year before I started my own business as a merchandiser, I was looking for a job um, for like eight months. And every time I got an email, my heart would race, Mm. like literally race. And then you get one rejection letter after another, after another, after another. And it broke me down. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I literally look at my phone, my hands would be shaking, my heart would be racing. I'm like, this is not normal. I'm like, how is is an email (laughs) really having this effect on me? Probably the anxiety of, you know, especially if you're looking for a job, like that can be stressful. Yeah, extremely, extremely stressful. So I'm really just trying to unplug Mm -hmm. and just step away from whether it be the social media for a bit um, or even just the phone and just get into even just meditation Mm -hmm. and so on. I feel that's really, really important too. So yeah, those are definitely my routines for sure. Okay, so my next question, and because you're in the fashion industry, this should be yeah. an easy one for you, but um, I like to ask all the women that come on the show this question, because I read an article that says that your favorite shoes says a lot about your personality, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's no surprise, my favorite shoe is the stiletto, hence my brand, to walk in my stiletto, <laughs> so, so I am going to ask you, Janina, what is your favorite shoe? Is it a boot, a running shoe, a flip-flop, a wedge, a heel, a boot with a heel. (laughs) Flat, cute little sandal. Okay, so uh, people who love flats are behind-the-scenes leaders. That's so true. Mm, (laughs) They they know how to work their butt off behind the scenes to ensure there's always a perfectly finished product. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Does that describe you? That is so me. I work behind the scenes all the time. I'm the ones that make the mannequins look pretty. And I make people See? look great. Okay, so let people know before we go to the final segment of the show where they can stay connected with you online. Yes, yes. So my Instagram, that's where I'm pretty much on majority of the time, is Janielle McCoy. So that is J-A-N-I-E-L-L-E McCoy. M as a mother, C-K-O-Y. Um, also my website is also JanielleMcCoy.com and yeah, those are the ones I use most. Um, okay. So, you know, for all these years, I've been calling you Janielle and you've never corrected me. You know what? Everybody does. And it's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, your name is Janielle. It's it's totally fine. My mom calls me Janelle sometimes. So does my aunt. So, well, I'm, I'm apologizing from the bottom of my heart because I <laughs> thought I was actually pronouncing your name properly, like, the whole time. And you've never corrected me. So it's like, okay. okay. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something every day. You tell uh, me about myself yes. and what my name means, and now you know how to say it. So, it's all good. We learn something every day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her stilettos, but today we're going to call it a walk in her flats because you are the honorary guest. And yes. um, I usually just ask a couple of reflection questions and you just say the first thing that comes to mind in the interest of time for today. I'm just going to pick one. Yep. Um, let's see. I'm going to pick. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? Invitations. Um, and also, 
well, can I say another thing too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want. And, and um, collaboration, mainly because when I was get, when I was starting in the fashion industry and so forth, um, I always wanted to connect with different people and collab with different people. Mm-hmm. And I would feel a way when somebody would politely decline. But it's like, it's, it would hurt my ego. I'm like, oh my God, you don't want to work with me? Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it would hurt my soul. But at the same time, too, we don't know people's schedules and so forth. And at the end of the day, we just have to respect everybody's decision. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time saying no to people. I felt like I had to be everywhere to be mm-hmm. seen and had to work with everybody to be known. And that is totally not the case. That's like, right. It, if there is a general interest, then not a problem. Like I've done work for free and done mm-hmm. collaborations for free with people. That's not a problem. If our, if our creativity aligns with each other, cool. Alignment is the key word. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alignment. Mm-hmm. Alignment. Like that is super, super, super important. There's been gigs that I've gotten and, um, Certain people were just like, oh, would you like to speak here? Would you like to speak here? And they were offering money, and I still said no. Right. I, I, you just, you don't have to say yes to everything, even if there's That's money right. involved. That's like right. Like you said, if it's it all about align. alignment. Yeah, it yep. doesn't align with my brand or just my energy. And yes. I've been, I've just come to a point where I'm just starting to say no. And it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard because you don't <laughs> want to offend nobody. You mm-hmm. don't want people to But you know what? Their... At the end of the day, you you're not responsible for how they feel and exactly you don't owe them an explanation for your no exactly and I just politely decline and it's okay if they my mom will say back chat it's fine it's fine like who knows along the way we could work together but right now it's just not our time and it's totally fine it's funny you say that when I learned to start saying no because like you in the beginning I thought I had to say yes to everything and then I was like Mm -hmm. burning out and then I was collaborating and when I was done I was like oh why did I do that Um, so (laughs) so I got really great at saying no that things that didn't align, that didn't align with my spirit, that didn't align with my brand, that didn't align with my morals. And I started hearing things back like, oh, she thinks she's too good to work with us. Or she thinks she's better than Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I I just don't want to. And and we can say no. It's fine. It's okay. okay. You're allowed to say no and you don't owe anyone an explanation whatsoever. So I think that's a good one. That's a good one. So I would like to thank you for coming on and sharing all of your wonderful gems and being so open about your story. Yeah. And I'm I'm honored that you shared something on my platform that you haven't shared elsewhere. Because funny enough, I've I've been having a lot of women do that. So it makes me excited. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good. <laughs> yes, I feel like maybe you're that vessel to like, all right, here we're going to go. We're going to open it up on Matini's podcast. Let it all out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No, but, but you thank are... you for yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's it's an absolute honor to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
And to my audience, until next time, download the Awaken My Stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakenmystilettos.com. Make sure you rate the podcast, subscribe, leave us a review. What did you think about the conversation? We want your feedback. Did any of the gems that were dropped, did they open up any revelations for you? Did they inspire you? We want to hear your feedback. Continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner 